no, we, you know, I mean, we, we just, uh, we, the bears are what we thought they were. What, what, what we thought they were. Say that one more time, play. Oh! One more time. Oh! One more time. Welcome to the Bay Centers. On today's show, we recap the Bears' 30-13 loss against the Chargers and much, much more. What's good, Press? Man, ain't done. When it comes to this damn Bears team, I ain't got much good for you. But I, <laughs> but, but I tell you one thing, man, I was uh, covering the Illini uh, KU game last night at the exhibition. They were doing that for Maui. So, man, they raised over a million dollars in support for the devastation that happened down there. So that was huge. But that game was far from an exhibition. I know audience, you guys come here to listen to us talk about the Bears. But you can humor me for a second where I can talk about Maui and, and the benefits of helping out that community. But, Doug, that game felt very much like a real game. And I know it doesn't count in the, in the record book. But that Illini team, bro, if they can play like that shit all season – Man, they may make it past the first weekend in, 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 in the NCAA tournament for a damn change. But to your point, man, those boys went out there and played hard. Both teams, Illini and Kansas, they gave it their all. Looked like a regular season game, in my opinion. And Bill Self coming back to Champagne, yes, that sir. was huge. But I'm glad you got a chance to cover it, bro. You did a great job. Man, appreciate you, appreciate you. And all this, I mean, me and a we were kind of talking before the season. We're trying to figure out, like, all right, what away games are we going to go cover? Because we always do one or two audience. Because, you know, listen, we bootstrapping this thing. We use our ad revenue and so forth. So we got to be smart, you know, about our dollars that we spend. And, and obviously, it would have been dope to go to L.A., but, bro, come on, man. We, we knew what was, was going to happen. Well, at least one of us did. <laughs> right on, bro. You know, you know. But to that point, though, man, it's like, hey, audience, we try to be smart with the places that we travel to. And so I just knew, like, okay, this game here, no, duh, we are not going to L.A. But we'll be covering a couple of these away games coming up. So we'll be in the building. We try to be smart about it, Perez. I like your thought process there, man. Yes, sir, man. But let's, before we get into, like, the nuts and bolts of this 30-13 to 13 defeat to the Chargers, we saw some reports, rumors that came out. Related to Chase Young, A-Dub. Now, earlier in the preseason, we had Mike here on the show, and he was talking about, hey, guys, I'm thinking Chase Young's going to be coming here to Chicago. I kind of shot down on the news. I'm like, I don't know about that, Mike. I don't know about giving up that type of draft capital for Chase Young. He's hurt all the time, and I just don't see it. But now we're seeing those rumors, A-Dub, with the trade deadline approaching, that the Bears may be the front runner for Chase Young. What say you? I love it. You know the Bears have been struggling. With getting to the quarterback and getting sacks, he's the guy that's able to do that. The commanders, in my opinion, not using him right, you know. So it's like, hey, come to a team that's really focused heavily on defense and could use your services. So I hope the Bears can definitely work something out. I'm really looking at seeing who would they give up or trade for him. I'm sure it'll be draft capital heavy, but... I mean, it's kind of funny that you said that, that we focus on defense because I couldn't tell that shit on Sunday night at all. <laughs> <laughs> we took some steps back, and uh, We took some fucking steps back. But you and I know the DNA of Chicago heart, right, is the defense, the soul of this team, you know. But to your point, man, we have not looked like it, at least against the Chargers. But before that, we had some things going on for us on the defensive side of it. But unfortunately, 
then carry over to the Chargers. No, nah, man, I'm sure Ryan Poles right now is looking at that defense, seeing that we are not getting any sort of pass rush and knows that he needs to infuse a guy of Chase Young's magnitude to this defense. But the problem for me, though, with Chase Young is his health. And honestly, I think Montez Sweat is a better prospect in this defense. But the, the fact remains, though, is that Chase Young is younger. And that's yeah. probably the thing that, of why the Bears are kind of looking at him. And I like them both, Fred. Montez Sweat's been awesome as well. You know, he gets to the quarterback. But you're right. Sometimes age is the big factor. But the thing is, like you said with Chase, he has to be healthy. So a lot of people will be looking at something like this. They're like, hey, this is a 2-16. and 16. Why would they go out and get a guy like this? But you have to realize that a lot of the things that the Bears are doing right now is for the future. And if you can go out there and make a trade for a Chase Young, obviously lock him up to an extension, which you're not going to make that trade unless you know that you can sign him long-term. Right. This is a move for the future. And the thing is, Perez, this season is a wrap, pretty much. Oh, I mean, yeah. No, yeah. Not, ain't much we can do about this year. So gearing up and preparing for next season, that's a plus because right now you got the advantage right now, Chicago Bears. Ryan Post, now you can really think about how you want to see things, how you see things moving forward with this franchise. So because the season is done, hey, prepare, get ready. What do you need to do? Build up, right? We talk about getting pressure on the quarterback. This is a time where you could possibly try to do that. And you're able to get a guy like Chase Young who can help, go for it. 100%, man. So we'll see what happens with the trade deadline approaching. But also, previously, I talked to you about some names where I said Darnell Mooney, Jalen Johnson, Eddie Jackson, right? These are some guys that I was kind of saying to you, Dub, man, what do you think is going to happen here? When you look at a guy like Darnell Mooney, it's been an up-and-down season for him. He's going to be wanting a new contract. I'm not so certain it's going to happen here in Chicago. Eddie Jackson, Eddie, you know, we, we know the situation there with him. Right? He signed that big-time contract. Hasn't necessarily lived up to it, and he's got a huge cap number on the books. I'm sure Ryan Post is probably looking for some kind of way to maybe get rid of that that deal and that contract. May not be able to do so. We got to look at Jalen Johnson. Now, this is a guy right here that is showing you week over week that it might be time to lock him up. And Ryan Post was asked about this situation, and he had a quote that I wanted to run past you. He says something along the lines. I want to just tell the audience. I'm paraphrasing here because I don't have it in front of me. But he says something along the lines that it takes two when it comes into negotiation. And that he's hopeful that he can work something out. When you saw that quote, Adub, what were your immediate thoughts? I think Taylor Johnson really want to understand his value, Perez, what he can bring to any team. Now, I think he's maybe even thinking about holding out and seeing what he can get on the market, right? So if you're Ryan Pauls, you're like, well, I got to get these guys at the table. If I can't get them at the table, I can't make anything happen, man. So he's feeling like right now that, hey, Jalen Johnson probably could play a little hardball here. Listen, man, if you Jalen Johnson, wouldn't you? Yes, absolutely I would, Chris. I'm in Jalen Johnson's shoes. I will play hardball. Right. Think about it, right? So you know that they got the cap space. You also know that you're 24 years old and you've shown that you have that potential to be a shutdown corner. And you know that the team will come out there free agency and fucking throw the bag at you. So he's in the driver's seat. But one of the things that's starting to concern me a bit with Ryan Pulse is that he does not take care of homegrown talent. You saw what happened with Roquan. And even at the time, Ryan Pulse was saying that same kind of shit about Roquan until Roquan been nuclear on him. But think about it, man. Roquan has gone out there to Baltimore. And the player that we're seeing him be in Baltimore is no surprise to us because that was the guy that he was here. 
So when I look at Ryan Poles, I'm like, man, you got to stop letting people leave this organization and you got to lock somebody up. Because right now, the only person he locked up was some damn Cole Komet. And I'm not going to you know, go after Cole because, I mean, that was a fine move. But it's like, hey, it's other guys on this team, man, we need to be taken care of as well. You got to look at the fact that, hey, be a little subjective. Look at the player for what he is, what he brings to the table. You just can't just look at everything from an analytical standpoint. I mean, relationships matters as well. You look at the fact of tape, that matters as well. You got to take everything in consideration. We cannot allow a certain player like that get away for us. I mean, you talked about already let one of them get away, a caliber player. You don't want to see Jenna Johnson go somewhere else and do great. No, and, and that's kind of how it's trending. So it's just – it's one of those things with Ryan Poles. That's something I'm just kind of like peeping with him. And he's always like trying to, you know, play hardball with people. He's all, and, and I mean, he's doing his job in the sense where he's trying to get the best deal for the organization. But you know what? Sometimes you got to overpay. That's just the NFL. I mean, in my opinion, you overpay when you re-sign Cole Komet. So there's no difference when it comes to Jay. That's, to me, making a smart move, Perez. You got to pay a little bit extra for a Jalen Johnson. We know he's been capable of doing when he's healthy. You do it, man, because you're going to need a cornerback that's proven and able to slow down some of these great wide receivers. And to your point with the health, that's the thing that I've talked about at length on this show is, for me, it's the health is the thing that I'm concerned about when it comes to Jalen Johnson. Talent-wise, it, um, it doesn't even equate as far as what he brings to the table. I think health is the only concern that you have with a guy like Jalen Johnson. You look at the fact, what else do you have if you don't have a Jalen Johnson? What else you got? Tyreek Stevenson? What else? You're pretty short right there, Perez. I mean, Kyler Gordon been cool. He's been your slot. But at the end of the day, you still need somebody over there that's really, really consistent. Well, that's the part of having a young team, right? And the thing about it is Tyreek Stevenson, that's a building block for the future. Terrell Smith, building block for the future. Kyler Gordon, building block for the future. But Jalen Johnson. He's a building block for the future as well, right? And that's why I want them to prioritize him. And I honestly feel like, A-Dub, the longer you wait, the more that price is going up for this kid. But the other thing is, for is we talk about building for the future, when is the future start? You want to make sure your players are ready for when you feel like the time is right. Well, I don't, I don't have the answer to that question, A-Dub, because I honestly thought that we were going to see more success this season, not saying we're going to go to the playoffs, but right now, who even knows what this situation is? There's so many gaps on this team. If you look at the roster, I'm like, this team has more holes in it than we thought. <laughs> There's something. And I'm not even making a joke when I say that. I, honestly, I look at things right now, and I'm like, Ryan Poles, you got a lot of fucking work ahead of you. And we talked about that it was going to take multiple off-seasons, but at least I thought, A-Dub, I said, you know, I thought that we were, like, halfway home. Man, please. It feels like we're back at where we were last year. Of and course, to, of course, yeah. That's the frustrating part, too, because last year sucked. Right. And look at us now. Oh. It's like, whoa, did we even show any signs of improvement? Okay, fantastic. We saw some things with Justin Fields in the passing game. We saw some flashes there. But you look at the defensive side of you, like, wait a minute. I went out and saw Ryan Pohl sign some guys. And you're like, well, where's the value at? Where's the impact? And you don't see that. So – now it's like, well, we got to start this thing all over again. And how often do you want to continue doing that under this Ryan Poles regime? I don't know, man. But when I look at a guy like Velas Jones out here, I'm like, why do we keep trotting him out every week? I mean, <laughs> this, this dude, man, I'm sorry. I, I have to go in for a second because when you draft a guy in the third round who's 24 years old at the time you draft him, 
who we knew at the time was a project, and you don't see any sort of development from it. It's time to cut the Vellis Jones experiment. People have been more than patient with him, and all he's shown you is just a bunch of fucking failure. I mean, that touchdown drop that he had is the fucking epitome of his fucking Chicago Bears tenure. Wide open, slips and falls, and the ball hits him off his fucking helmet. I'm like, this shit was just fucking dumb. <laughs> it was, and it was funny, too, because I'm like, how you fall? You're wide open at that press, and then the ball was so much on the money, it hits you right in your hand. Why are you on the ground? I'm like, wow, dude, and you drop it there. So to your point, Perez, I was one of those individuals who said he should not be on the team coming to this season, right? And I knew you were like, hey, Dub, he might still be on. He's young, you know, rookie contract. I get it. But he has not shown us any signs of growth, Perez. And that's a huge factor right there. And if you can't get anything out of the player, Perez, why continue trotting him out there? And that's why I look at Eva Flutes and Co. Like, man, what are you all doing with this kid? We're not seeing anything that says he deserves a roster spot. Well, that goes on Ryan Pulse because, honestly, he's forcing his draft pick that's a failure. And the thing about it is you got to cut bait. Ryan Pulse, you're starting to stack up a lot of failure. And I, I'm sorry that I have to say this, but that Chase Claypool trade, we already know which way that thing went. And you look at what's going on with his free agent signings. They've been underwhelming on defense. So it's just like, man, like, <laughs> Ryan Poles, what we got going? Now that Carolina trade, it's a saving grace. The Roquan Smith trade, meh. And when you go that route, press, you talk about some of these things that Ryan Poles did, some of the signings. You hit on a couple of good ones right there. But here's another one for you. Nate Davis, where has he been at? But you, these are starting to pile up. That's good for you. You got a good DJ Moore. That's great. I love that. But you got more misses than you have hits. Mm, mm. John Wright wasn't bad either. But like I said, like you, <laughs> to your point, though, you got a lot of misses, man. A lot of misses. In your position, Ryan Pulse, you ain't got time for your misses to be outweighing your hits. Ryan Pulse, time for you to wake up, man. You got to get it going. Because right now, people are going to start putting it out there and start throwing these right back in your face, you know, when you talked about Perez hit the big point about taking over the North, right? You mm. said he's going to take over. Well, guess what? A lot of these misses don't prove that. Please, what North he was talking about? Because <laughs> the motherfucker <laughs> NFC North, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> but that's why I just wanted to just kind of touch on some of those things because I know that we all got a little ahead of ourselves and was calling him King Poles and all this other shit. And it's just one of those things with Bears fans. We want to believe in people so much. We have all this misplaced optimism, and it just comes back to hurt, man. Like I said, I always just describe it as the, the child who's waiting for his father to come home and the father and the father never comes home. That's how I feel. Every time we get some optimism, man, this is going to be the year. This is going to be when Justin Fields turns the corner. Oh, this is when the Bears are going to show us this. And it's nothing but fucking disappointment. I'm tired of being disappointed. I'm not even angry anymore. I'm just more of just like to the point where I'm just like, dude, you can't take this shit to heart, A-Dub, because if you do, then you're going to be out here forgetting what's really important in this life. When you talk about not letting it affect you, Perez, that means we have to lower our expectations. And that's what it comes down to right there, because now how are we going to continue to hold this team accountable and then they come back out and trout this same type of performance year after year? At some point, it's like either you're going to be upset about it and voice your opinion, or you're going to stay silent and not care. 
And you know how diehard Chicago Bears fans are. They care. Oh, of course they care. I mean, and the thing about it is, at the end of the day, we obviously care we wouldn't have a show. But the point is, just, man, it, it's time out for the rant and the raven, right? And, and my yeah. point is, at this, situ- at this situation right now, you and I have been telling people, when it came to Tyson Beijing, we were saying, hey, enjoy this kid for who he is, an undrafted rookie quarterback that showed you that he's got some potential. But people jumped the gun, and they wanted to anoint this kid something that he's not ready to be yet. And I think that a lot of people had some cold water poured on them last night when we saw the Tyson Beijing, even though he was decent. That's not going to be enough to win you an NFL football game. And I think that a lot of people realize that. And that is levels to this. And then when Justin Fields is healthy, he should be the starter of his team. And that is what we've been telling people, hey, Doug. Justin Fields is that guy, at least for this season. I don't know what they're going to do next year, A-Dub, but for the rest of this 2023 season, if Justin Fields is healthy, he is that guy. And with Tyson Bajan, Tyson made it clear there's a lot for him to learn. And that comes with growing pains. It's your second start as a quarterback in the NFL. And you don't know everything. You got a lot to learn, a lot of reads you got to go through. You understand that you're going to get some of these great secondaries, people who are very good at what they do. And it's just so much for a quarterback to learn, Perez. And when people were anointing him, saying he was ready and all that, like, well, you called it out. We're going against the Raiders. They're not a great team. So he's able to show some things against that team. But when that heat come at you, these other pass rushes get on you, what can you do? And what we saw was a rookie quarterback. And this is why he's a backup quarterback right now. And you will not applaud the kids saying, hey, he overcame all the odds to get where he's at. But he's just not ready to be a starter. Right now, it's Justin Fields, as you and I have been talking about. And we're going to see how everything works out there. But we're also not the weirdos that were rooting against the kid, right? I wasn't rooting against him. We were just being basically objective about the situation and saying, hey, from our situation here, this kid's a rookie. And a lot of the things that I wanted people to realize is, he went undrafted for a reason, and I think we saw in that ball game yesterday against the Chargers why he went undrafted. Now, do the Bears potentially have somebody they can develop as a number two? Of course. Yeah. Am I confident in the staff that's in place right now to do that with him correctly? No. Well, you got a kid right here that's got some tools. He's got confidence. He's got poise. He's got moxie. But how, what did I want us to do in the game? I wanted us to push the ball down the field, and we did for a little bit. He had the big pass play to your boy Money Moon, but he threw two picks in the ball game as well. So that showed you a little bit of the limitations, and that's probably some of the things the scouts saw, and that's probably why he went on draft. And he had a chance to show what he's able to do, Perez, and now people got fam on him now. They say, okay, this mm-hmm. kid got some errors. There's some holes in this game, right? And with that, it's going to be a little of a challenge for him now, you know, because now when people start to figure out, figure you out, they know what to do. They know how to game plan for you. And I mean, people, he was riding high when there were no game plan for him. But now a lot of these coaches are playing, paying attention. As long as he's the starter, it's going to be some growing pains on him. Now, I hope he's able to show us some things that he's able to learn, Chris, but I can't expect anything more than him being a backup at this point. Well, he's going to have one more week under his belt because it's already been announced. Iberfus has already gone on record and said that Tyson's starting against the Saints. So Justin's not ready yet. I want to ask you, when you look at that situation, with Justin Fields not going on IR, 
Why do you think they decided to do it the way that they did? Because now this is the third game that Justin's missing. If they would have put him on IR, it would have been four games. So why do you think they didn't put him on IR? They were trying to probably throw the other team off Rez to make them think that Justin Fields had a chance and maybe start looking at them on Justin Fields and Tyson Bajan, maybe overwhelm them a little bit, Perez. But in the day, they were trying to play mind games. You know how Chicago is, Perez. They wouldn't play those type of games there. They try to get an edge. And right now, these other teams like, okay, doesn't matter who you all put out there. We're going to probably stick with our game plan to a certain extent. That might be true, but I was thinking that it might be along the lines of the return from IR designation because the Bears only have two more of those spots and one of them is going to have to be relegated for Khalil Herbert when he comes back. So I'm sure they probably maybe want to have one of those left for emergency purposes. It's just like, okay, what are we doing as an organization? So when I saw that, I'm like, well, why not put him on IR if he's going to be missing all these games? But I'm glad that Justin's not rushing back because in my mind, I was thinking, Justin's going to try to play against the Saints. So I'm relieved they do that he's giving himself another week. Because when I look at Justin Herbert out there, the injury that he has is not even as bad as the one that Justin has. And he's still struggling with that football. But what this tells you, Prez, you look at Justin Fields, had Tyson Bajent won that game, I'm not so sure Justin Fields would have said, you know what, I don't want to play. <laughs> because those chants about Tyson Bajent were going to get louder and louder, man. It's been put to a halt right that. now. I agree with that, yep. Another situation A-Dub that kind of like jumped out at me and I was kind of, for lack of better words, I was kind of like surprised by. So Jaquan Brisker is a guy that I was kind of telling you, he's more than likely probably not going to play against the Chargers. But for the reasons that I thought that he wasn't going to play, it's not the reasons why he sat out. So we were told that he was battling an illness. And then it comes to find out that he basically was having some concussion-like symptoms and he already had cleared concussion protocol following the week seven matchup. So this is something that came out of nowhere where they're like, hey, he's dealing with a little bit of something here. He's having a fever. He's not feeling well. And it's one of those situations that Matty Ufus said, they kind of surprised him. And I know Ufus say he's probably a little surprised with it, but man, it's it's concerning and it's scary. And I'm glad that this player didn't risk himself to really get out there on the field, you know, and I'm glad he voiced that hey, I wasn't feeling well. Because at that point, they if the doctors are able to do something, they would take a look at him, make sure he's okay. And now to see these back in concussion protocol, that's the right decision right there to make sure this kid fully healthy before risking his health to go back out there again and make further damage, you know? Yeah, it's just one of those things, though. It's just like that's how it's so delicate with these brain injuries, right? Because he was cleared by one doctor, but then the independent neurologist met with him and was like, no, nah, you need to go back in protocol. And so just it just never – you could just never be too careful when it comes to these brain injuries. And then Eddie Jackson, who was available to play, he didn't play. So you didn't have your starting secondary against the Chargers. And you knew without having your your best secondary prayers, your safeties, with those two, Eddie Jackson and Brisker, it's an uphill battle, man. And those two players, you expect to make plays for you. So without them, it's going to hurt. Yeah, it definitely hurt. I'm not I'm not even going to kid you on that. And like I said, we saw that Justin Herbert and that Chargers offense, they came back alive, bro. They, they showed us what we won, and it, it was tough to see. But this was the thing. I was worried about a breakout game from that offense, and they had it. That first drive when Austin Eckler got loose along that sideline, I was like, it's going to be a long fucking night. <laughs> that was ugly game, bro. Ugly fucking game. And then getting a text from you, A-Dub, you already scored. 
I was like, yeah, man, Chargers already put one on the board, man. And just watching Eckler do what he do best. I mean, you talk about breakout. You called it, Perez. He definitely did his thing. But give it to Eckler. He came out and played his butt off. Yeah, he was killed inside of the backfield, and that's what he does. The thing is, with Eckler, he's just been injured for most of the season. But yep. that's how he made a name for himself in the NFL was that ability to catch the ball in the backfield. And our linebackers, they couldn't do shit with him in the ballgame. It's short as like a little Mighty Mouse out there, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know he's small, so close to the ground, Perez. Kind of hard to tackle him anyway, but when he's catching the ball, I mean, he's fast. He's elusive. I mean, it's hard to tackle a kid like him, man. Um, but I got to give him his props, you know. He did very well, and he shined. So before we dig into this matchup particularly, when I rewatched the ball game, one of the things that I got really irritated with besides the product on the field was Chris Collinsworth. Now, I don't really care for him much as an announcer anyway, but some of the things that he was saying about the quarterback situation here in Chicago, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way, man, because I'm sitting here looking at this thing like, Chris Collinsworth, you speaking from a point of a lot of absolutes over here with these quarterbacks. And I'm like, who the hell has he been talking to that he's getting this information from? But he isn't as bad as people are making him out to be, though, Chris. I mean, we nitpick every quarterback, but to their point how they nitpicking Justin Fields and acting like Tyson Bajan is this next big thing, that's totally wrong. And I think Chris didn't do a good job at really explaining that. Well, I think what it was is that you had pretty much somebody in that organization, whether it was Ryan Poles, whether it was Luke Getty, someone basically definitely made sure that they fed some information to him because all broadcasts, you see a guy that definitely had ulterior motives, at least in my opinion, and yeah. it was definitely anti-Justin Fields. And it was definitely kind of coming off a little bit like, almost like trying to make it seem like Tyson Bajan was like the second coming of Joe Montana. And I'm like, <laughs> what are we doing around here? And I'm like, come on, man. If he's doing something well, okay, give him kudos like you would give any quarterback. You don't have to throw Justin Fields under the bus to make a point. No, man, it just felt like it was a smear campaign, and I didn't like that. I mean, my thing is Justin Fields is already in a tough situation. It's already been a very tough time for him this season. The guy's hurt, battling the way to get – he's battling to get himself back healthy and get him back in the lineup. And I just felt like the Chris Collins was just piling on. And I just think, didn't think it was fair. But just hearing it and hearing people tell you about it, that's always tough on any quarterback to know that commentators are going about it that way. He gets it. He understands. But doesn't sit well with him as a competitor. And when he sat up here and said that Justin Fields should study Tyson Beijing, I'm like, what the fuck? The guy that's <laughs> played in the league for multiple seasons, he's going to follow and study a guy that's making his second start in the league? I'm like, what kind of shit is that? That was the thing right there. When he, when he said that, I was like, uh-uh, I'm talking about this show on the show. I'm like, there is no way. Somebody in that organization is leaking information to Chris Collinsworth. It sure the heck looked like it because he had so much detail to what he was saying, and he was specific. When you're that specific, you can tell somebody may have gave you some information, some insider information on some things, and that's not fair. If the Chicago Bears doing things like that, that's not cool, man. But you don't want to spew that type of thing to hurt a player value. And that would be totally wrong on a franchise to do something like that. To make Justin Fields look bad, that is totally wrong on an organization to do something like that, man. And I hope, I really hope, they did not make that type of error. Bro, come on, man. If it, it, it quacks like a fucking duck, it's a duck, hey, dub. Where would Chris <laughs> Collinsworth get this information? Where we, it was yeah. clearly something that was put in his head. And, yep. and I'm sorry, 
But it's bullshit, man, because it's a backstabbing situation. If I'm Justin Fields, I got to be feeling some kind of way about that shit. I mean, it really sucks that you're going to sit here and feed the damn commentator information that he gets on TV and he's throwing this kid under the bus. I don't know who it was. To me, it doesn't matter. But you can't do that shit. You cannot do that. And I, I feel so bad for Justin Fields on what happened because he deserves better than that. And, Prince, when you hear former players that play for the Bears say that Justin Fields need to get out of Chicago, it's telling. To your point about things being leaked badly about Justin Fields, that's more the reason why these former players are like, hey, get out of there, man. They doing you a disjustice by playing for that franchise. That's a good point, A-Dub, because Olin Cruz has said it, and it's been a couple of them. Alex Brown has been saying it. It's a lot of these guys that are looking at this situation, and they realize this coaching staff, they're not equipped. They have already shown you. Luke Getty has already shown you that he cannot put a game plan together to support Justin Fields on what he does best. He can. Either he can or he just refuses to. But either way, it's egregious. And we had one of our listeners, Tony G, A-Dub, he has some nice little words for you. You are not under any circumstance allowed to call Luke Getty cool head anything going forward for the rest of the season. <laughs> and audience, you guys already know how I feel about that nickname. That nickname <laughs> has officially been retired on this show. Because there is nothing been cool about what this guy's doing. And guess what? If you don't want the job of fucking coaching up and developing Justin Fields, then fucking leave. Because right now, when Chris Collinsworth did that bullshit smear campaign, all that to me felt like was they're trying to promote and prop up their guy Tyson. And this is no, in my opinion, this is no shots against Tyson Beijing. Don't put Tyson Beijing in the middle of whatever you guys are doing internally. And Because what, what, what this shows is the Bears' dysfunction A-Dub was on full display on Sunday night. Every time Chris Collinsworth spoke up, I said, yeah, this is bullshit. This is a fucking bullshit. First thing I want to say is, Tony G, you are right. I'm not calling him no cool anything. He is just Luke Getzey going forward. I'm with you in prayers. I totally get it. Y'all got my word. I would not be calling him that. Now back, <laughs> now back to, <laughs> to uh, Chris. Now, Chris is totally wrong, Chris. You know, you can't be a commentator spewing information like that. At the end of the day, what you're trying to do is divide two quarterbacks. And Justin Fields have been nothing but helpful to Tyson Beijing. Why do you want to do that, man? And then throw out that to the national public like that on a big-time game. So you just cannot do that. And the thing is, it's just wrong. And as Fred's talk about, you talk about how they treated Justin Fields. It's totally not right, man. And it is concerning. And you root for a guy like him, Justin Fields, to see him do well. But this team has not done him any favors. And Luke Getsy has been a problem. He hasn't done a great job with Justin Fields at all. If you look at his tenure with him, I mean, to set this kid up for failure. And right now, if you're Justin Fields, you feel alone in this situation. And hey, let's get into some analysis here in this ballgame because I know the audience is like, man, these guys are just going in on what's wrong. Well, guess what? There's a lot <laughs> that's bad that we had to make sure that we touched on. I had a lot to say about that situation with Chris Collinsworth. Man, he is a coward, and I didn't like that because, like, you're going to say all that shit on the broadcast, you wouldn't have said that shit to Justin Fields' face. And that's why people like that in the media, they piss me off. And that is why I'm glad that you and I have gotten into this space because you don't do that to a player. But anyway, I'm going to get into this ball game. So obviously, 30-13 loss to the Chargers, they dug. Offensively, one of the biggest things that I saw was we took a step back on that offensive line. 
the running game was not that dominant running game that we've seen in previous weeks. So when I look at this situation, I'm like, okay, what can go wrong? Dante Foreman, Roshan Johnson, Darrington Evans, they didn't all of a sudden become backs that can't fucking hit the hole. Then you look at the tape and you're like, there were not a lot of holes there. The Chargers defensive front was getting after the Bears. And we see this going into this matchup, guys like Bosa, guys like Mack. Now, Mack was quiet in the ball game, but Bosa got home. And like I said, that defensive front, there was not a lot of running lanes. And guess what? Lou Getzi went away from the run so quick out of necessity because we the game got away from us so quick. And when the game get away so quickly, Perez, you got to air it out, right? But you look at that, losing those battles in the trenches, that's always tough, man. And to see how the Bears could contain those guys, that's hard. It makes it tough when you're a quarterback. It's a process. And you put Tyson Bajit in a tough spot to try to execute. I understand he made a couple good passes, but overall, Perez, nice being set up for – for failure. He's more of a game manager that you talked about last week, Perez. So now seeing him go outside of that and try to do something more than what he's capable of doing, it definitely hurt the Bears for sure. Now, one thing here is the Bears right now, when we talked about this team, we're like, hey, their identity is basically running that football and basically playing off of that. When Justin right. Fields is the quarterback, it's more of a, hey, design quarterback runs, getting them out of, out of the pocket, getting them out on the move, right? But right now, when you look at this team after that Chargers game, it's like, okay. Yeah, Tyson Beijing may have shrunk a little bit in the prior time game, but he didn't really have a chance. When you look at the offensive line and their struggles, the Chargers were getting after him. They didn't target DJ Moore enough. And DJ Moore, he expressed frustration with that fact. And now when you got the guys speaking up and saying things, now you realize, okay, there's some frustration brewing there. And there is no reason why we should have went away from giving that ball to DJ Moore. No reason. You got to always put DJ Moore in position to be successful as well. And you got to let Tyson Beijing know that, hey, that's your safety net. Always look for DJ Moore. And the point is, they couldn't really get any targets to him. That's tough. I mean, he had what, one target in the first half, another one in the second half? Come on, man. DJ Moore deserves more than that. He deserves better, Perez. And to see how he didn't get the opportunity to be effective in his game, it came back to hurt the Bears. And this is the problem, though, A-Dub, is, okay, the Vellis Jones drop, that shit was awful. Ouch. It, and, you know, a rookie quarterback, you can't put him in bad spots, right? So right. the offensive line not getting the job done. Of course, the picks weren't throws that he should have made, but he wasn't set up for success, which is my original point going into this matchup. Got to set the kid up for success, and we did not do that. And it's the same thing that we saw with Justin Fields, not setting these guys up for what they do well. I mean – we can't get anything done in the run game that you talked about. We can't get any good penetration on the offensive line. That's been tough. So what are you expecting this kid to do when you don't have a lot of time, Perez? And then you see that at times they were actually doubling DJ Moore, right? You see one in front of him, one behind him. So you kind of like see that, hey, DJ Moore is in a tough spot as well. So now you're looking at Tyson Bajan like, hey, first option not there. You got to focus on two and three and four. So – He's now in a tougher spot and got to make some quick, quick decisions. And that's tough for a quarterback, again, that when he had a couple of stars under his belt. And when I was talking about the offensive identity, man, I mean, I, I want to I bring up maybe a, a quick positive because I thought it wasn't all bad. I thought that we had some bright spots. I thought that Tyson showed a little bit of promise there. He made some quick throws. There was some rhythm there. 
I think that he has some chemistry that he's starting to build with a DJ Moore and Cole Komet, right? I mean, we saw Cole Komet. He looked really good out there. Last week, he had to stay in and pass pro. This week, he was able to go out a little bit, and you see the production was there. He was getting a lot of targets. And I'm liking what I'm seeing there from Tyson with some of these weapons. You can tell that they're starting to gel a little bit. And that's important to see. You start to see some chemistry. As you know, Justin Fields had the chemistry with DJ Moore and Money mm -hmm. Moon. But now Tyson's starting to get an opportunity. And he's starting to see some things happen very well for the for the Bears when it comes to pass in the passing game. So, but you want to see more of that, right? Of course. But that's still going to be some growing pains with that because Tyson Beijing is still figuring things out. But then I have to go back to what I saw. And what I saw here is inconsistency with this offense. And you're down 24 to 7 at the fucking half. You pretty much consider us cooked at that point. When I was at that score, I was like, shit, they ain't coming back from that shit. It's hard to come back, Perez, when you become one-dimensional, right? And the only thing they can really do is throw the football. Now the Chargers know what you're going to do. It's going to be an uphill battle. And you're right, Perez. This is the team that you talked about running the football effectively. If you cannot do that, then who are you? Where's your identity? Listen, man, there were some drives there that looked promising. But then they were in prematurely. You got fucking touchdown pass to get dropped. I'm not going to fucking let that shit go. Interceptions kill a momentum, eh, though. There was a lot that was going against us. And again, the running game pretty much was non-existent. And the thing is, Perez, on your first drive, you get a nice little 40-yard pass to Money Moon, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You kick off the right way. But what happens? You do back-to-back -back run plays that go nowhere. And then a quick third down right there where Cody Whitehair get overpowered by Bosa, and that's oh, a sack. Oh, man. It's over. Now you got a field goal range, right? And now what you got to do now, punt pretty much. So it's just tough when you just waste a big pass like that and you're not able to get anything done. And they got to look at Luke Getsy and say, hey, man, that's on you. Big play, wasted. So much of this shit is on him. But also a guy that I want to call out is Matt Eberflus. What was, he, what was he thinking there in the third quarter going forward on their own 29-yard line? Like, I'm all for people being aggressive, but there's a difference between being aggressive and being a fucking stupid motherfucker. And that was the dumbest fucking shit ever, bro, because they don't convert the fucking fourth down and then the Chargers have a short field where they're all but guaranteed to score. I don't know what Iberfus was thinking, Perez. I know he's a smarter coach than that, than what he showed on that particular play. Are you sure about that? <laughs> I, I hope so, man. It didn't look like it. I will say that. Your team has no momentum. You're not getting anything really going. Why go for that? Hunt it, man. Hunt it. You do not want to get his charge an opportunity to get in the red zone and cook you again. You don't want to do that. So at that point, I knew Iberfus, are you experimenting in this game, man, or what? But right now, this is not good. That wasn't no damn experiment. That's a man that is coaching desperately. He don't know what else to fucking do. He, that's just like when you play somebody in bad and you got their ass on the ropes and they start playing and making dumbass questionable calls. That's what he's doing. You seeing him making Madden decisions out there on the fucking field. And that is why this guy needs to be fucking fired. I didn't give a fuck about that loss against the Raiders. I still, in my mind, knew Matty Bafus has not done enough to keep his job, and he doesn't even deserve to be the coach. He's a bumbling fucking idiot. Anytime he gets in front of that media, I don't believe anything he's fucking saying, and he makes me mad instantly when he gets up there to the podium. I don't want him as my coach. 
I just don't really see it. He needs to go to a team and become a defensive coordinator. That's where he needs to be. He is not a head coach. He is showing you to A-Dub that he cannot lead. This thing has gotten awful. You had last season where we were kind of seeing a team that was playing hard. They were making, you know, the right decisions out there on the field. They, you know, that hitch principle that we kept hearing about, we saw, okay, hitch principle. Yeah, that makes sense. I like the hustle. I like how everybody's playing smart, intelligent football. Well, what happened to that this season? And I have to put that on the head coach. This whole coaching staff needs to be let go. I'm with you with the entire coaching staff being let go because they have not shown us enough for us. And we have not seen incremental growth. I mean, we talk, we talk about this team continue to take steps backwards, and we talk about the defense and all these changes that's made to the defense to help the defense get better. And we see that these guys taking steps back. How many tackles we gonna see missed? You're a head coach who's defensive minded, don't have this team disciplined. That's always tough when you go on a roller coaster. One game they look good, the next few games they look bad. I mean, you're going to you cannot go there in circles like that. So either they got it down very well with the hits principles or not. And what we're seeing right now is inconsistent football and that the head coach may have lost this team, Perez. They have lost the team. Come on, A-Dub. This team, they don't fucking believe in this guy. I mean, honestly, I I feel like DJ Moore, he's frustrated. You, there's no telling what the fuck Justin Fields is thinking right now. I would love to hook him up to a lot of tech test and ask him questions about what he thinks about these people because right now, <laughs> you look at him on the sideline, you know that this is a very frustrated individual. Come on, man. Ain't no mayhem. He's lost his team. You cannot continue to go on national TV at a primetime moment and continue to do what they continue to do. This shit is an embarrassment. We deserve better than this as this fan base. And I'm tired of talking about another primetime matchup where we just get embarrassed. I mean, that game looked worse than game one, Perez. Listen, you got one job to do as a head coach, and it's to rally your troops. It's when the, the tough gets going, you need to make sure that these guys are banded together. And this team is not doing that. Beating the Raiders, I don't give you any props for that shit. Beating the commanders after Dick Buckus passes, you're supposed to do that. And honestly, if you didn't win that game, I feel like you would have got your ass fucking fired the next day. But my thing is, you got one job to do, and you're not doing it. He cannot figure out how to win in this league. That's your job. What happened to all that swagger, the passion, the intensity from the last game against the Raiders? I didn't see that shit yesterday. What happened to the creative play calls from Luke Getz? To your point earlier about the Hitch principle. What happened to that? All of these things that have been cute little things that we've been talking about and all these narratives. All that shit is talk. We're not right. seeing any of it right now. This man should be the first Chicago Bears head coach that is fired in season. The fans deserve better. I continue to keep saying this. And I know it probably sounds heartless and I'm calling for somebody's job. But guess what? This is a results-oriented business. They say, you ain't, he ain't leading the Boy Scout troops over here now. I don't give a fuck how good of a guy you are, how good of a person you are. You're not fucking winning football games. You don't deserve to be the head coach of my football team. And we talk about winning football games, Priz. We can even put that to the side and say, okay, we're not winning football games. I'm but not putting that to the side. I ain't putting that to the side because that's what it matters. It's all about winning. Herb Edwards told you this shit, ain't Doug. You play to win the game. It's simple. When you look at the fact that players are not even developing either, 
Right. That's a problem, too. I'm like, okay, we ain't got no victories. We got two of them. Okay. All right. That's it. Then you look about last season, how many wins we got. And then these same players you talk about, Perez, come into this season who was the team last year. You were hoping these guys got better. Have you seen much of these players got better like that, Perez? And you look at this team and say, hey, we can't put anything together because we don't see that incremental growth with these players, you know? Where have they gone? They haven't taken their games anywhere, you know? The only thing I would just say that happened this season is probably some injuries. But other than that, you're looking for your young players to develop. And they have not developed to really show us signs of, hey, this player is going to be very good down the road under this regime. And you hit it on the head. It is results-oriented. It looks really bad. Well, I mean, you preach it to the choir, you know? I mean, that you basically repeated back everything I said. The, the thing that I'm trying to get you to realize is you have to win football games. You have to develop your team. You cannot sit up here and not have an identity on offense. Your defense can't be fucking missing tackles. I've been talking about this defense missing tackles for the majority of the season, and they went ahead and did it again in the game yesterday. You brought that point up. They look awful. The defense did not rise to the occasion. My point is, you continue to embarrass this franchise. Primetime TV is getting to the point where people on Twitter, they joke, oh, I don't even want to, I don't even want to watch this game. The Bears are going to lose. They're going to do something dumb. And then they go out on the field and do the same shit that people were saying they're going to do. Now, you brought up the point about developing the young guys. Well, whose job is it to develop them? Coach. Coaching the coaching staff. staff. Okay. So, right now, that's not happening. So guess what needs to happen? Those guys need to go. Yep. Point blank. Point blank. <laughs> now, I talked about the defense fell to, to rise to the occasion in that game. So, yeah, we went after the offense. I've gone after Ibafus and the coaching staff and, and gets he's, as far as what he's not doing. But defensively, this is supposed to be Matt Ibafus' wheelhouse. What happened yesterday? We were thinking that they finally reached their potential, eh, Doug? Yeah. But then we had to realize it was the fucking Raiders. But in that game against the Raiders, we saw a team that had a nice pass rush. The linebackers were coming downhill and knocking the fucking piss out of fucking Josh Jacobs. Jalen Johnson was locking motherfuckers down out there. We didn't give a fuck about a Devontae Adams. We didn't give a fuck about a Jacoby. We didn't care about none of them dudes. But talking sheep ain't up. Because <laughs> against the Chargers, bro, we learned his levels to it. And that Chargers offense, they did whatever they wanted to do. There was no pressure on Justin Herbert. He sat in the pocket comfortably. He got the ball out to his receivers. And Keenan Allen wasn't even the guy that killed us. No, he wasn't. I mean, Eckler done this thing that we talked about earlier. It was like, hey, what did we do when it came down to scouting? The one thing I thought about the Bears, what they did well, Perez, is, okay, they didn't want these guys to beat them over the top. Okay, but underneath them, Keenan Allen got whatever he wanted, and there were no pressure on the quarterback that you talked about. So you wondered, hey, how could you not? How could you not slow down Eckler? How did you not know what he's capable of doing, you know? And these are part of things you do, as you know, Perez, which I'm preaching to the choir to you again, is that these coaches know that. So – it's unfortunate to see that this team couldn't execute in that way. And then you talk about tackling, you can't even put the guy down or stop the guys, man, from picking up these big yards. And it came back to really hurt the Bears. I mean, come on now. Let's look at Tyreek Stevenson on that play where he whiffed on the block and that allowed that touchdown from Donald Parham. 
And I'm sitting up there like, when you over here letting Donna Parham score a touchdown on you, we ain't talking about Gerald Everett. We ain't talking about Keenan Allen. We talking about Donna Parham. When that happens to your defense, that's like a new low. And that looked awful out there. You know what's it's not a good look for you. To me, it's, it's not a good look for your defensive-minded head coach. Come on now. Again, there's so many things that I can just keep pointing back to him. And that's the thing, all, this, all the things that I'm talking to, it traces back to one guy. And one guy that does not deserve to be the head coach of this football team. Chris, you know what's sad, though? is when you see veterans making those type of mistakes. Like you saw T.J. Edwards. He the one who missed that tackle on Eckler that caused that 39-yard touchdown. Exactly. You saw you hit with Stevenson. Why was Stevenson playing so far off on Donald Parham? I don't even know why. It's why, was already he, why, was he, why was he covering Parham? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Then the guy, Stevenson, can't even tackle him. That's tough in itself. And then you even saw my boy – Kyle Gordon, who I really do like, he go out there, a pass to Eckler. He go out there and run with a poor angle, and Eckler just run right on past him. I and mean, we just saw so much bad football press in one game. That's just too much to see, man. And it's unfortunate to see the Bears play that way with a head coach that you know I keep talking about that's supposed to be defensive-minded. You can't make those type of mistakes. What a fucking joke. What a fucking joke. I don't know, any dog. You know, it, it, <laughs> I you know I tried to put some positive spin on some of this stuff earlier, but man, we you can't shine a piece of shit. It's just it's a piece of shit. It is what it is, right? And right, right now we got to call it what it is. This fucking organization is going nowhere fast. Now the Chargers, they showed you why they could be one of the top teams in the league, and why I mentioned in our preview show why their record was deceiving. I said, you know what? Staley's going to come in here and he's going to get it done because guess what? He realizes that his fucking job is, is at stake here. That is what a coach does when he realizes, hey, I better fucking figure this out or they're going to figure it out for me. You got the other coach on the other sideline that just looks lost and confused every time he, the camera's showing him. He looks dazed and confused. He's a deer in headlights over there. He has no idea what he's doing. This team is not executed right now. Now, I talked earlier about, like, a lot of the holes on this team right now. When I look at that offensive line, when I look at the secondary, where's the depth? We got depth in the running back room. That's all cute and fun. But the most important positions, we have no depth. That defensive line, I'm like, this thing is not what it should be. There's no pass rush. It's non-existent. This is not a Chicago Bears defensive unit. There's no identity on this football team. And it's one of those situations where when you look at things right now, this is not what we were sold. When you look at this team, we were sold something very different than what we're seeing right now, A-Dub. And consistently, week to week, it's been unable to win games. Now, some people will sit up here and say, well, prayers, like, give them some credit. They were resilient tonight. Yeah, that's great. That's cute. Listen. Well, my little cousin plays in his peewee football games, and I see them out there, and I'm like, yeah, look at them kids compete. Yeah, they're playing hard. Great. They're playing with some spirit. Fuck that when you're talking about guys that's making millions of dollars. This, this shit here, bro, I just feel bad, man, because there's people that don't know what it's like 
to see a, a winning team. Chicago as a city, as a whole right now, a we don't have many successful franchises. And it sucks because this is the most loyal, passionate fan base out here. We will make excuses for our team. We know our team is trash, but we'll make excuses. We'll prop up somebody that we know is not a fucking good player, but in our heart of hearts, we'll be like, oh, no, that guy right there. Oh, don't sleep on him. Oh, he's the goods. And then you get a real team that's out here looking at you, laughing at you behind your back like, do you think that person's a player? But that just goes to show you that Bears fans were loyal to a fault. And it comes back to bite us in our fucking ass. You see the games. You see the fan base. They show up. They want a team to win. But unfortunately, the Bears continue to try out the same thing year after year. You hit, you hit it on the head about our pass rush. It's no better than what it was last season. And all these changes we made, we're still here at square one, Perez. And then you see the embarrassment that you talked about. That is tough for the fan base to continue to take, man. And this got to change. This culture that the Bears have been dealing with lately has to change. And we don't see that part of the change for us. You already know this, man. It's going to be the same thing over and over again. When you say lately, when I look at this culture, I'm like, this don't just trace back to the Iberflues tenure. I look at the Matt Nagy tenure. I don't know. One year when we were a flash of the pen, we haven't done shit. It's been all talk. It's been all talk about potential. At some point, man, we got to stop talking about potential, what could be, and we need to be fucking figuring out how do we fucking get to where these other teams in the league are? How do you get where the Eagles are? That's the problem that we have. We're not having those conversations. We're sitting over here trying to convince ourselves of some shit that'll never be true. And to that point, what we continue doing, bringing in first-year head coaches and all that stuff, bring in somebody that know exactly what they're doing, bring in people with experience, do all those things that really matter you would do if you had a regular job. If you were a manager or a hiring manager at a regular job, who would you be hiring for, Perez? You're probably going to want somebody with some experience, right? No matter what it is that they do, you know? And at the end of the day, who can deal with certain aspects, you know, to set your players up for success. And it's the same thing over and over that what you see happening, man, is a lot of players in their confidence getting shut down. And they become damaged goods. And you talked about this a few episodes ago, Perez, but this is what we're starting to see, man, with this franchise and what's happening to these players. It's not a good look. It's not a good identity to have. And it's been going on for quite some time, and it looks really bad. Well, you know, before we get out of here, <laughs> let's give out some game, boss. <laughs> Audience, <laughs> I'm sorry that we went low on this one, but this is just so frustrating. This is frustrating, but we're going to try to end the show with some positivity. So, A-Dub, offensively, who's getting your game ball, my bro? I'm going to give it to Cole Commit. Cole World. He showed up a little bit, Press. Caught some good passes. I think he was the one who realized that, hey, hey, DJ Moore, they own him. They trying to slow that guy down, make myself available, make myself open. He caught some nice catches out there, Perez. You saw him trying to get yards out the catch, playing physical and tough. You like to see that. You want to see that more often. And he's also a guy who spoke up about the team. We talk about physicality and not playing enough. So I'm glad he spoke up, but he did show up, Perez, to try to play well and try to play hard. And the thing is, he's just not enough. He wasn't enough in that game against the Chargers. I mean, Cole Komet, I mean, we talked about him a little bit earlier in the show. 
Hey, he was the most reliable weapon for Tyson Beja in that ball game. Double-digit receptions. He caught every pass that he was targeted on. And on the Darrington Evans touchdown run, Kolkovich stayed in and blocked on that and freed him up. Yep. Also, don't even get me started on this fucking officiating because Kolkovich yep. also had a fucking touchdown. But they blew the play yeah. fucking dead. There was no forward progress and stopped on that play. So Kolkovich could have even had even bigger impact on this ball game if not for the fucking officials. And that's always tough, man, when officials – Blow the whistle, stop a play a little bit too soon than what it should be. They knew the guy still had full progress. So that's definitely bad to officiate. I'm going to give my game ball to, to Darnell Wright, the rook. Now, this is why I gave Brian Poles a little bit of props <laughs> earlier. It's because of this kid. He hit on this draft pick. This kid right here is arguably the best offensive lineman that the team has. Now, I know that Tevin Jenkins is the guy that I, I hold up in high regard. Darnell Wright right now is outplaying everybody on that line. He's proven to hold his own, A-Dub, against some of the top pass rushers in this league as a rookie. But it's no surprise. Think about the things that we talked about with this kid from when he was in Tennessee. 19 games without giving up a sack. That's what he does. But however, he's still solid as a run blocker. I mean, look at the first touchdown we scored. Who was the reason why they scored that touchdown? It was Darnell Wright. Kevin Cole Kamek cleared the way for Evans on that touchdown run. So my game ball goes to Darnell Wright. Good job, Ryan Poles, on this pick at least. But <laughs> you ain't got many hits. But I have to give you credit on what you did hit on because this kid right here, he's the goods, bro. He's been getting better and better, Chris. And the fact that he's been battle-tested thus far, he is showing you that, Chris, he can hold his own ground. And the fact that you hit on the head about doing it against some of the best pass rushers out there, that speaks volume to him. All right, who's getting your defensive game ball? My defensive game ball, Jalen Johnson. He held his own. Again, they weren't targeting this area much at all. That's what he does, right? He prevent your quarterback from taking those risks. And I got to give a lot of credit to him. He even had a nice pass breakup in the end zone. So you love a guy like a Jalen Johnson, at least proving to everyone that, hey, I want the contract extension. I really do want it. And that's, guess what? I'm not going to give up a lot when it come down to slowing down some of these wide receivers. A.W., we talked about him in the open. The, the big thing with him is he's continuing to show week after week that he needs to get that contract. The Chargers' offensive staff, they were not able to exploit Jalen Johnson. They went elsewhere. That's, what, that's a great recipient of your game ball because, honestly, bro, that should have got even. That would have been even uglier, man, if Jalen Johnson would have been out there in that game. So, I mean, bro, he, Ryan Poles, what are you waiting on, man? Get that fucking shit done, bro. Come on, man. Stop playing games, Ryan Poles. Do what you got to do. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna give my game ball to Tyreek Stevenson. I know he whiffed on that fucking tackle, and I talked about that with with Palm, but he's living up to his expectations of being a physical corner. He had 12 tackles in the ballgame. We're talking about a cornerback, 12 tackles. You do not see a DB having those many tackles in the ballgame. And I thought he did a pretty solid job covering receivers. There's some things he needs to clean up, but as far as when you look at a guy that's a promising player for the future, I think they may have another one here at Tyreek Stevens. And that's going to be some growing pains with him. You know, first-year player, a rookie, you know how they go. It's going to be some growing pains. And he did. He went out there, he competed, played hard. 
give he has some mishaps out there that you and I discussed earlier. But I can see a guy like him with a lot of potential. If you continue to get better, continue to tackle the way he does without missing key tackles that could be impactful, he'll be just fine though. But I do like the way he plays, Fred. And no matter what he does wrong on the field, he show, comes back and show us something that's worth watching. He'll come back and get a deflection. He'll come back and make a good hit. He'll make a good play and let you know that, hey, this is a rookie. He is still learning. And what you see at the upside of him is going to be there in the near future. All right, man, who's your bear down for week eight, your underperformer? My underperformer for week eight is Valus Jones. No surprise there. I know you spoke about him earlier, so I'm not going to repeat any, any of that. I just see a kid right now who's proven that, hey, he just doesn't have it, despite what kind of career he had in college. Right now, <laughs> none of that has carried over in the NFL. And with that, the Bears will have to make a tough decision. Shouldn't be a tough decision at all, but have to let somebody else go out and do what they got to do and see what we have than somebody else. But right now, Valus is not the answer. And the only thing he showed us in college was that he was a decent returner. We ain't seen none of that in the league. <laughs> He's got those issues with muffin punts. He's trying to force Velas Jones on us, and it's like, no, bro. Stop trying to work with this kid. It's not working out. Hold on. Stop trying to force this kid on our offense. It's not working out. I'm sorry. Riz, I'd rather see more Tyler Scott, man. Let's go that direction with that kid and give him opportunity. Let's do more of that. But Velas... We've seen enough. I mean, my thing is, I'm looking at him. I'm like, he's kind of worse than Chase Claypool was when he was here. And that says a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Miami's already fucking fed up with Chase Claypool. I was looking on Twitter and see what they fans have to say about him. I'm like, yeah, good luck with that. Enjoy that shit. <laughs> but to your point, first, Bayless, man, he ain't doing the Bears any justice right now, man. Fucked off. Fucked off. All right, man, my underperformer for week eight is Cody Whitehair. <laughs> I have been trying to tell anybody, A-Dub, that's been willing to listen, that this guy is the weak link on this offensive line. I don't give a fuck if it's center or guard. Both of them <laughs> are bad. He's not going to be on this team next season. I mean, you got to look at Joey Bosa. Did you see what he did to Cody Whitehair? Embarrassed him, bro. <laughs> I'm going after Cody White here. I also got one more. Yannick Ngakwe. What's Ooh. up, bro? Ooh. Bro. He's been invisible. This man's stealing money out here in these streets. Hey. <laughs> I mean, he did have that one play where he forced an off-target throw by Herbert. But he has not gotten home enough. For a guy that's making $10 million this season, where you at, bro? Where you at? You expect so much more out of him, Perez. He has been a big disappointment. You're on a team that has the probably the worst pass rush in the NFL. And part of the reason is because you haven't done your job. I mean, it's sad. It is really sad. And to go this many games without being impactful, Perez, that says a lot. And you calling them out today, man, I am not surprised, bro. He has been a big disappointment. And Maddie Bafouche, you ain't off the hook either, bro. Because I, <laughs> I listen, I, I won't smoke with everybody. I'm so pissed off with this team, bro. But this guy right here, man, he has not won back to back games <laughs> since he's been the coach of this team. It all starts at the top. You're the head coach of this failing team. And it's clear. 
He's not going to be here beyond this season. I feel like every week, A-Dub, that he continues to coach this team, he's furthering to disrupt the development of these young guys that you were talking about. When you were talking about, hey, there's no development going on right now. Well, get him the fuck out of here, man. We get somebody else in here, then at least they can try to clean up some of the shit that's going on. That person can clear the way for the real head coach that's going to come in here and make things happen. And the Bears going to have to do a good job with this next head coach, man. Bring in somebody who can do the job effectively. Because seeing how Eberflus is doing things, man, to your point, Press, a huge disappointment. And watching Eberflus post-game, he looked nervous as hell, bro. <laughs> he don't look good in those interviews at all. And I think he knows that, hey, the writing is on the wall. It's coming. You may not be here too much longer. And you've been talking about Press that he can lose his job during the season. That's a huge possibility, man, because he hasn't given the team or the franchise any hopes of any success down the road. This is the thing. We talk about the Bears here. They probably ain't going to do it because they're cowards and they don't have the guts and courage to do it, but it needs to be done. Other teams are willing to do it, but they're not. They're not going to do it. They're not going to do it. They're too busy worried about the stadium. And that's, to be <laughs> honest, they ain't worried about winning games. They're worried about making money. That's the problem. You and I over here talking about this team. When are they competing? They don't give a shit about that. The company line over there is green. They don't care about lifting up in Lombardi. And that's the disconnect with the fan base. We're tired of not winning. Well, <laughs> for them, they're like, we're going to build this stadium. We know you guys going to come because we know how loyal this fan base is. And we're going to make even more money. And we don't have to give you a winning product because we know you're going to support this team regardless. And it's disgusting that it's true because they use our loyalty against us. And that's the part for me where I just get so fed up with what I'm saying. I get so fed up with this culture. I get so fed up with being lied to. So that, that's, that's all I got to say on this, this week eight nonsense. We're going to flush this. We're on the fucking New Orleans week nine. We know Justin's not starting. Tyson's going to start again, A-Dub. We know the Saints ain't all that great of a team. But we have to look ourselves in the mirror and, and look at this matchup and say, well, we can't be going into this thing all overconfident. And I know that, that Derek Carr is the quarterback over there, and I've had words about him in the past. But look, guess what? <laughs> that offense at least moves the football. And so it's not going to be a walk in the park for us on Sunday. Hey, we lost to Jordan Love. <laughs> How much better is he than Carr? We all lost to everybody, A-Dub. So with that, <laughs> with that in mind, yes, I know where you're going We're with that. But, I mean, come on, bro. I'm surprised Brian Hoyer didn't beat us, to be honest with you. So going to this next game, man, you don't have a lot of hope. That's all I'm getting at. No, I hear you, man. But listen, hopefully <laughs> next Sunday when we do this show, we can be talking about a Bears victory. I'm going to break down some film on it here this week, and we'll have a preview pod for you guys. But right now, I could just sit on this show and try to, like, fucking try to convince the fans and listeners of some shit that I don't even believe. I'm sorry, but this is a failing team. This is a failing product, and it is what it is. We'll have you guys cover the preview pod later in the week, and so we appreciate you guys. Hopefully the Bears can appreciate all of us soon. <laughs> Until next time. We are out.